Which next step is the best fit for your future? What can you do to accelerate your professional development? And how should you navigate different workplace challenges? I'm Kyle Gantos, and our team is on a mission to crowdsource insights, best practices, and action plans from accomplished peers, all who began their career in Big Four, to help guide you wherever you want to grow. All right, excited for this one. We've got uh, you know a career exploration topic, and uh, for those of you you know starting in Big Four, specifically audit, we're going to talk today about why auditors make great consultants, and then get into if that's something that interests you, how to make a fulfilling transition. So. Uh, pleased to be joined by distinguished panel of some really, really um, great consultants, but I'd say even better people. Uh, we'll start with you, Melinda. Welcome. And, uh, Thank you. I'm excited to be here. My, my name is Melinda Pitcher. I worked in audit for a couple years, and I primarily worked in the financial services sector. And I've been in consulting now for longer than I've been in audit, or almost longer than I've been in audit. So I'm um, happy to be here, happy to talk with everyone that's here. Glad you're here. And um, welcome, Matt. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Doing great. Good deal. Excited to be here. Um, I'm a director in our FAS group uh, here at Embark. I spent a little over two years in audit uh, at Deloitte originally, um, and then I did a little industry stint as well for a few years. Uh, been at Embark now for about four and a half years. Um, worked on all kinds of projects. Really like uh, financial reporting and capital markets type stuff, um, but I've done all kinds of stuff. Well, uh, welcome. Thank and uh, last but not least, MP. What's up, MP? Thanks for having me back. I feel like you keep inviting me back, so I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> nice to be with you all. Jason Larkin uh, currently serves our Dallas market president here at Embark. Prior to joining Embark, spent three and a half years on the audit side, um, focused a lot in insurance, audits, and then ultimately made the transition over to another big four firm in consulting. So spent about nine years in consulting in the big four, then moved over to Embark and have been in Embark for a little bit over two years now, um, <clears throat> done some consulting and now primarily focus on our team here in Dallas, supporting them and continuing to expand our hospitality footprint across the entire firm. Welcome back. Um, always, always glad to have you. Yep. And um, I'm, I'm excited to dive into this topic. Just, I mean, obviously three fantastic consultants, but I think each of you have a very unique perspective and different approaches. So I'm um, hoping we can... Um, sprinkle that in as we go. But I, I do want to talk about, you know, I've heard this time and time again, surrounded by X big four uh, here at Embark specifically, but audit is a great place to start your career. And I want to make sure we talk about that from your experience, Melinda, what, you know, what, what did you get from that experience and how did it help you help position you for, you know, not only consulting, but really whatever you might want to do? Yeah. So like I said, I wasn't in audit for, you know, nine years, 10 years that you see people in the big four and the time I had there. And I feel like the majority of people will feel the same that it's kind of expedited. So a year there, two years there, three years there feels a lot longer. And I think what you learn from there is a lot, lot, lot more than what a typical three years. So for me, what I really took from audit was about how to be resourceful and about how to like, when you have a problem given to you, you don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to find the solution, but also you don't have time to sit there and rabbit hole into research or in guidance or things like that. Like you have to know what's on hand. You have to not only be a resource to what's material materials you have, but also the people around you, like leveraging up and down who has the best idea on things. And I think that has really excelled myself into the consulting world because, you know, consulting is just that it's every single day that you don't know what's going to come. You don't maybe not have the solution, but you have that resourcefulness that's that's kind of unmatched when it comes to having that attribute in your as a professional. And it kind of makes consulting a lot more seamless because you have the confidence to when a client comes to you ask the question you may not have the answer right now but you have the confidence that you will be able to provide them that answer soon how long i'm curious you said you know confidence mm -hmm. I, w I would imagine and I'll be, I'm, i did not spend any time in big four but i would mm -hmm. imagine the environment you just described sounds very very different from the school environment Right, yeah. Where it's like, okay, go research. Here's the answers we want. Here's the score. Good job. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to develop some of that confidence? Honestly, I would say two years to develop that confidence, especially your first year as a first level staff. It is, 
It's, it's no joke. It's pretty hard. It's, it's the whole year I was on one main client. And so I never really saw repetitiveness until a year after where I could say like, Oh, I remember that last year. And at that point you're teaching the year below you and you, and as a first year, you're teaching interns. So like you have to be able to have that confidence to teach others. Otherwise that's not going to work. And so I would say after when I really start to senior jobs, when I was able to coach people below me, but also project management, like it gave me that fulfilled confidence that I feel like, okay, I'm actually doing my job well because I've learned to adapt. And I know it's cliche, but being comfortable of being uncomfortable. Yeah. So that's kind of where that was blossomed. How about you, Mac? How was, what was the experience like for you and what, what did you get? From that experience. Yeah, I mean, like Melinda, you kind of get thrown off the deep end immediately, right? Um, and so you really do learn to, I don't know, just think on your feet, figure things out. Um, and at the same time, you kind of get a, a technical knowledge base that I think is is really important. Uh, you know, you may not see a super wide variety of things, just depending on what kind of clients you're working on, right? Um, but you do get a technical knowledge base there. You, you learn so fast. You have to learn so fast. Um, and so just kind of I don't know, getting those experiences, it just really sets you up for success going forward. What was something maybe early on in audit that you struggled with that, you know, by the time you left, you were transformed? Sure. <laughs> One thing that really sticks out to me is I feel like you learn how to best use your time. Like, hey, am I spending my time on something that's really not that important in the grand scheme of things? Are there other things I should be focusing my time on um, that are more important, that are going to be more important to the audit? Um I don't know. Just I, th I think that's a big one is like seeing the bigger picture. Like, is what I'm working on and wasting all this time on really that important? Or are there, are there bigger ticket, more important items I should be focusing on first before I move on to these other things? How about you, Jason? What was I, I feel like you've I'm sure you can add on some yeah. additional perspective here. Yeah, it was a little while ago, so I got to dust <laughs> out the cobwebs a tiny bit. Um, but I think the things for me and I always encourage people to start in start their careers in audit because I think it creates a foundation of understanding how financial statements come together and how processes work. Right. And when you, when you build that foundation of understanding, you going through an audit and it's like, okay, I'm auditing this financial statement line item. How did the information ultimately flow up into that financial statement mm -hmm. line item? And so you go through the audit procedures and you go through the walkthroughs from a control standpoint, you really understand how business actually works. And a lot of times, at least for me, being you know in the big four audit, you saw large, complicated clients, right? And so you got exposed to things to max point that were very difficult to understand. I mean, I remember my first year, I walked around, I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand anything <laughs> no, I about what's going on. And I love the way you put it. Like you get back that second year, you're like, oh, like I do actually have some idea of what's going on. I remember when I first joined, um, I looked at my manager and I thought they were the smartest person in the world because they had all these <laughs> totally. things memorized. And then I get a couple of years in, I'm like, oh, they've just been doing this for a while. They're not actually like yeah. as smart as I thought they were. But it instills in you that confidence of like, oh, yeah, like once I understand those foundational building blocks, I can then be more successful moving forward. And the other thing for me that it taught was just a level of work ethic. Um, mm -hmm. I was and always have tried to surround myself with people that are smarter than me. And I think in big four where I was, that was always the case. There was a lot of people that had incredible educations, knew everything about the accounting standard, and that forced me to work harder. And that work ethic is something that I learned. It was developed through sports and different things growing up, but was really reinforced in a business sense, being in the big four and being surrounded by people that were really, really smart and worked really, really hard. and in order for me to be successful, I needed to focus on those things. And that, um, again, that foundational um, framework was important for me to start my career. And I would imagine too, just <clears throat> working on, working in, in, you know, auditing big global companies and some of the stakeholders that you had the opportunity to meet too, uh, maybe even just from like a communication standpoint and, you know, being able to you know, go from this, like running around with your chicken with it, like your head yeah. cut off and, uh, you know, then getting to the point where you have that familiarity and confidence. Um, yeah. And on that note, like all of what they've said is totally true about knowing like the broader picture knowing the technical, knowing the processes, but 
A minor note that one may be overlooked, but I think is extremely, extremely valuable is what you kind of talked about just now is like the communication aspect, like documentation, how to even write an email, how to be able to succinctly communicate what your findings are or what the problem is, or be able to hold a conversation with the client that may have double the years that they have on you and be able to professionally hold a conversation and get to a you know, an end goal together, I think is something that is really taught in big four. And that is like, I remember my second year, you know, I'm only a second year at this point and I would look at documentation. I'm like, who wrote that? And it'd be me. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, well, well, that's great. Yeah, only better. one year, you know, yeah. and it's each year you get so much better at that. And it's honestly an art. It's a language that you have to learn. And it's not taught to you in school and things like that. I don't, yeah, and I don't want to pile on, but one more thing that I think is interesting, kind of playing off what both of you said, um, as like a second year, you may be the main point of contact with like the CAO of a big client, CFO of a big client. You're interacting with people who have had, you know, who knows how many years of experience in their field, right? And as a second year, mm-hmm. you're already learning how to have those conversations, how to communicate information, um, and be the main point of contact with, with uh, you know, people really high up in, in, in your clients. Yeah, I was... um. You know, the foundation, I think, speaks for itself. I mean, that that foundation, we've we've talked about this, we've done blogs, we've done webinars on this, but it really does open just about any door that you could have the curiosity to see what's behind it. Um, there's There's been articles published just, you know, A, talking about just the shortage of accountants. And then also, you know, I think I saw a headline, you know, 300,000 accountants and auditors have you know, left their jobs since I think it was like 2021 or 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those reasons, you know, are, are probably, you know, common knowledge, but I, I would be curious just to go around, you know, what great foundation, lots of great people can catapult you wherever you might want to go. What are some of the reasons why maybe Mac, you started to think, you know, I wonder what else might be out there for me. What, what kind of prompted that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I don't know. I had, uh, it's, it's kind of like the typical audit thing, right? Like you, you're, you're doing the work and you're kind of doing, doing a little bit more each year, but kind of still doing the same thing, I feel like. Um, and so I got to the point where I was like, Hey, I, I enjoy client facing work. Uh, I really love that aspect of it, but I need to, I need to see what else is out there. I, I don't feel like audit is the end game for me. You know, I, I feel like I'm, not the enemy of the client, but I'm like checking their work, right? Like the end deliverable is like not really anything that I felt like add a ton of value except for a piece of paper and a signature, right? And so um, I uh, I started to look elsewhere. I, I've, I've worked in industry for a few years. Um, and then, you know, I have a little bit different path than, than, uh, than Melinda coming straight from Big Four to consulting. So I went and worked in industry for a few years, kind of got into the month end close type work, that kind of stuff quickly realized that also was not for me, um, you know, just repetitiveness. Then I kind of reflected and said, said like, okay, there's things that I definitely miss about the big four world. Um, what are they? You know, looked at it, you know, really enjoyed the culture aspect of it. Like, you know, although working a lot sometimes and maybe, maybe you don't feel as cared for, there still is like a generally a pretty good culture within teams and, and, and groups at big four. Right. Mm-hmm. So really enjoyed that. Uh, really enjoyed the client facing work, the project based work, right? Mm-hmm. I just, I felt like that was really fulfilling. Felt like you got a chance to learn a ton really quickly, uh, really develop your career. So I kind of sat back and reflected on that, found Embark. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, I think we kind of take some of those things that the big four offers, um, and do them, do them really well here. I you said something and I, it resonated with me, but, and I think when we start our careers, it's like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? And it's, there's yes. almost overwhelming. Yeah, but then I sure. think there is some value to like slowly but surely crossing things off the list and you start to learn a little bit more about yourself. Yes, for sure. Um, and then as, as you've all mentioned, by spending a little bit of time, you, A, you stuck it out so that thickened your skin a little bit, but then B, you started to maybe appreciate some of the nuances that you never could have very early on. You know, for you, Melinda, what changed or, or, you know, what changed within you or what changed mm-hmm. in your environment that prompted you to maybe, you know, let me see what else might be out there. Yeah, like Max said, um, the teams, I would say standard teams at Big Four, they're usually great. And that was the case for me. I had a very large audit team and I loved each and one of 
I loved learning from them. I loved having friendships with them. I still talk to a good amount of them today. And so that wasn't something that I felt like a culture was not a fit and things like that. Like there's obviously something that happens when you, everyone's working X amount of hours, but that's not because of them who they are, you know? And so I had a great time with them as personal and as their people, but I found myself kind of similar to Mac was saying is like, I really wanted to help the clients like implement change. And, you know, if you're in 2023, you're auditing 2022 and they're working on 2023 things. And I wanted to be on that side of things and not, oh, well, you did it wrong or you did it right. I want them to be able to ask questions. How do I do that? And more of like the application portion. Um, I had a great chance and I had a the last year I was there, I had probably one of my favorite clients that I worked on and I had a lot of client facing attributes of that. And something that stuck out to me was he said that he put a conditional format on his email that whenever I emailed him, if he didn't respond in 15 minutes, he'd get an alert. And I was like, well, that was kind of, you know, you don't need to do that. Although I do know I'm the auditor and that's just the nature of the game and you're the auditor. And being in consulting now, I see that with our clients, how they you know, perceive their auditors. And it's, it's true. It's a fact that has to be that way because they, you know, they are checking and they're regulated and all those things. Um, but I didn't want to be that. I wanted them to be, you know, kind of excited for my email or, you know, will call me without, you know, necessary or something like that. And so I kind of wanted to be on like the same team instead of against my client. How about you, Jason? Yeah. I mean, I think the two things and they're going to be very similar. One was, the desire for me to get to experience different things and be challenged in a different way. Like audit is audit is challenging in its own right, but the areas that I saw myself continuing to develop and grow on the audit side were more technical in nature, understanding specific standards, understanding specific areas from a financial statement perspective. And I didn't place as much value on those learnings as I did other areas around project management, around communication, mm -hmm. around building relationships, right? And so seeking out those opportunities to continue to develop, but developing in different skills than what I had been developing in audit. Um, and then the other big piece of it for me was, you know, as great as you can be at building relationships and um, caring for people, when you're an auditor, it's an adversarial relationship. And I don't, and I don't care <laughs> yeah. what anybody says, how great you are as an auditor, I've tried, yeah. you're still an auditor. Um, yeah. You know, I've always described it very simply. You know, the auditor sits on the other side of the table and as a consultant, you sit on the same side of the table. And the value of being invested in an organization that we're helping and being able to actually help them move their agenda forward. I love what you said about, you know, real time, right? It's not we're dealing with last year, like we're dealing with current problems and future problems. And that piece of it was very appealing to me. Mm -hmm. um, and those are really the two key reasons why I made the transition. I, a couple questions come to mind now that you're all at a consulting firm and you think about your peers that have come over from big four. Do you think the, each of you said something, you know, your, your words, but it was all in the same ballpark mm -hmm. of wanting to sit on the same side of the table as the client and actually be able to like solve problems and help that business get to the next level, help that team or individual get to the next level. Is there anybody else in consulting who doesn't share that one, that particular, you know, passion? No, I mean, are there other reasons maybe that consulting offers something of fulfillment beyond that seemingly universal theme? I do think there's a little, another potential caveat, and I think I also experience it, is I, as a personal career and just kind of what I want to do for my life, I wanted my skills to be transferable. I felt, um, the longer I was in audit, um, I got really good at, you know, you get really good at audit, but you know, you can't solve a multitude of problems, especially if you're one in one industry and within consulting, it's kind of like you open your wings and you get to kind of touch everything. And that's kind of where it brings full circle back to the confidence. It's like, now that I've been here for almost two years and I've had multiple projects, I feel a lot more confident going into a new project that I can be successful. And, um, you know, and I, it's because I've had such various projects and there's no two that are alike where audit, I find, you know, the procedures are pretty similar across the board. So that could be a, another potential reason why consulting is a good fit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you can be a fine consultant and <clears throat> not be driven by trying to help your clients, right? You can be driven solely by, I want to get my own experiences, I want to grow and develop, and you can be a fine consultant. But the best consultants are the ones that actually do care about making their clients' lives easier. Mm -hmm. And that's the differentiator is, yes, you're still growing and developing, but you're also helping someone else achieve their objectives. And yeah. that is true consulting. Because when you walk into a client and you think about, okay, hey, here's what I think my problem is, that may or may not be their problem. And the role of a consultant is to understand, take that foundation of understanding financial statements, understanding processes, and truly identify, is that really the problem or not? And then help them solve that problem. And that's the difference, right, between the good consultants and the great consultants. And so I would say you can come over to consulting without the desire to help, um, but your clients will have a different experience if you approach it in a way where you actually care about making their life easier. And I would even go back to what Melinda just said, being in an environment where I'm around consultants who think that way, I think also helps me get to the next level too. Yeah, for sure. Because um, you're going to see you're going to see solutions that maybe you didn't consider. And that's yeah. just going to expand this universe yeah. of possibilities. Um, Mac, you mentioned, you know, you, you went to industry first. I did. Um, real quick. What was, what was, why industry over consulting at that time? Um, just to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't really know about the, uh, the consulting world that much at that point. Um, to me, I, I like, yeah, I think, I think, you know, seven, eight years ago, however long it was, um, the industry just wasn't as big as it was now. Um, there wasn't as many opportunities for people coming out of big four to go do that. Um, had I found that first, that may have been the right play for me. Um, but, um, at that point in time, uh, I knew that I didn't want to be an auditor. I wanted to be back kind of more on the, on the uh, operational side of things, I, I, I knew that. And, and that was the that was the best move for me at the time. Um, I think I learned a lot in that, in that role. Um, but you kind of get to a point where you kind of cap out, or at least that's how I felt, right? Um, didn't have a lot of room for growth in my company. I was kind of doing the same thing. And it, you know, I, I learned a ton about the industry and how, how operational accounting works and all that kind of stuff, um, which I think has been very transferable to my skills here as well. Um, but at some point, uh, I kind of got to the point, I was like, hey, like, I want to learn more. I want to go help some clients. I want to get back to client, client facing role, um, add some, add some real value to some companies. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's how I ended up here. And one of the things I would say, um, you know, for those listening, you know, the, the one area that as I reflect on my experiences that I definitely don't have is that industry role. And, mm -hmm. you know, as I have come here to embark and interacted with so many people like Mac, who's had mm -hmm. an industry, there is a lot of value in having that experience where you truly sit in the seat, right? I've been doing this long enough that I can empathize with people. But the reality is I've never sat in the seat of a controller, of an accounting manager, of a senior accountant. Um, and so I encourage people to view that as, you know, a very real opportunity as you continue to progress in your career. And, you know, if you find the right company with the right experience where you are able to learn and grow, there's significant value that can be gained in those industry roles. I think sometimes um, individuals coming out of audit, you know, may not look fa as favorably on those industry roles. And I can tell you from all of the people I've interacted with, there is significant value in that. Um, and I've observed that firsthand from people. And so I just wanted to share that perspective from somebody who hasn't sat through that, but has watched how impactful that can be for people in their career. I'm curious, Jason. I, I feel like somehow, some way it was, I don't know how to articulate this, but what you're passionate about was so powerful that you were going to end up yeah. here or some yeah. other name, but doing be. the exact same thing. It's just, it's just <laughs> too strong yeah. of a force. <laughs> did you ever consider industry? And if so, you know, why or why not? No. Um, I mean, yes, of course there was, you know, I did job interviews, um, in industry, but I think ultimately for me, um, I love why I am here, why I do what I do is my desire to positively impact people. And I believe in professional services, that is the best way to do that, right? And as I have gone through my career, all of my decisions have been rooted in 
I think professional services allows me to ultimately positively impact people. And, you know, it's, it's funny, Mac, you talk about, you know, when, when you left audit to go to industry, not really having, you know, consulting, not really being an option. I mean, when I joined, um, you know, when I transferred from one big four to the other and joined consulting, like I was the second person in Dallas. We had no, like we were building something as we were, mm-hmm. as we were moving forward. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very new industry, but it was rooted in, I want to be around people that are smarter than me. I want to be in professional services and I want to be challenged. And those things I felt like were more likely to occur for me in professional services than they were in industry. That's not to say that there aren't incredible companies within industry that have incredibly talented teams um, that everybody is growing and learning and developing. But for me, professional services always aligned with those three objectives of objectives of what I was trying to do for my career. Yep. Melinda, do you have any any other anything to add to that particular Yeah, for me, I didn't, I didn't consider industry, you know, I, I thought of it, but I didn't put action to it. I didn't interview. I interviewed with multiple consulting firms and I felt like I wasn't ready to choose a path. And, you know, when you go in industry, like you kind of choose a path. I mean, you can always deviate from, you know, that path, but, um, I still wanted that client services because I didn't know, which industry, if I wanted to go to industry, I wanted to go in, you know, um, I had only financial services experience and audit. And so I wanted to see more out there and I didn't want to, I wanted to have longevity in my career. I did not want to be hopping from job to job. And I took the next step after big four very seriously of like, where could I see myself longer term and find if I was to make a move after that, be very intentional with that move. And so, you know, you know, I'm happy that we don't have industries here where I am still in financial services, even though when I came over here, that's all I wanted. I have seen a vast majority of various different industries, types of projects, things of that nature that, um, you know, if I had to leave the industry today, I'd have a way better idea of what that looks like. Great perspective. We've reached the midway point of this episode. Are you enjoying the conversation? Be sure to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom that can help you work smarter to level up faster. Speaking of which, have a follow-up question or future topic request? Email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll help you get wherever you want to grow. And now, back to the discussion. Before we get into what your experiences were like you know, early in and then throughout your consulting careers, for the person who's listening, who's in audit today, you know, at some point along their journey, what is the ideal amount of time they should spend in audit? You know, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, like when is the right time to graduate to their next thing? Sure. Um, my perspective, I think it's really valuable to get at least one year under your belt where you're senior or in charge of the job, right? Yeah. You get the chance to kind of be the main point of contact for the audit. You get a chance at a really young age, typically, mm-hmm. to teach people, coach people, coach upward, coach downward, um, and just manage the whole project. I think that's really valuable experience to gain um, as a senior. Why is that so important, Jason? As we've talked about in other um, episodes, right? The ability to be put in situations where you are going to fail and how you learn from that Mm -hmm. is critically important, right? You talked about being comfortable in the uncomfortable, right? Like, being a being in charge of other individuals at 23 24 25 it's really hard yeah i'm in charge of them at a much later stage i don't disclose my age but like it's really hard right Mm -hmm. but those experiences of what worked and what didn't work that early on in my career helped me to begin to understand begin to lay that groundwork on how do i support people right not manage people how do i support people so they can be successful and there's an element of watching, there's an element of learning by observing, there's an element of doing. And, you know, you move into consulting and ultimately a lot of times, right, you start in consulting with doing and executing and not supporting other individuals, identifying what projects other individuals are going to work on, right? Navigating the entire success of the team and not just your success. And so to get that experience even if it's just for a year early on, I think allows people to adjust the trajectory of their career. What I'm hearing is, is it sounds, it sounds like there's so much more than just while, while the technical foundation is awesome. Yeah. There's, there's so much more than that. And for somebody who may 
you know, get in there and just be like, wow, this is, this is not for me. There may be some other, you know, maybe pause for a second and think through it a little bit more and say, well, what else can I gain from getting through this? I'll also develop as a leader. I'll also develop as a project manager, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that's important to know is that pause component because as a senior or in charge, all the things that you said is so true, but that is not your only job. You're also in test work areas, process areas that you've never seen before because you're now a senior. You now have more complex areas. You're not just doing cash or, you know, what you do as a staff. And on top of that, you have to lead a team. You have to have that project management when you're already stressed. And I think that kind of brings back to Max's point where it's like you focus, you need to your time is valuable and what you do with that time means everything. And I think if you're still in audit today, taking that pause is necessary because, you know, I hear it all the time over here, like you're not saving lives, but you can change the lives of your team members and taking that pause, like kind of resetting and realize like, and I did my last year, especially if you feel like you're kind of one foot out the door, thinking of what else is out there is like, Big four can provide you with so much opportunity and so much knowledge. And I think when you feel like it's time for your to look elsewhere, like take as much in as you can. Learn from your managers. See what type of manager you want to be. Learn from your partners. Get close with them. Maintain those connections and learn from people below you and learn, you know, documentation, things of that, that all big four have you know, done so well. And I think you learned so fast and taking that pause and realizing like what you want out of that. If you already know, like you're looking elsewhere, like take as much as you can before you leave. And I've observed, you know, both of you, but you know, Melinda, especially you like the intentionality around that, right? Like it is a conscious choice on how do I take advantage of this opportunity in front of me? Cause guess what? It is an opportunity. Like not everybody gets to be an audit at the big four. And so how do I intentionally take advantage of that opportunity to figure out what I can learn, right? And it's gonna be different for every project, every person, but um, take advantage of that. I think we've just done a comprehensive deep dive on on everything leading <laughs> yeah. to the part that if I was in audit and I was getting excited about, you know, I could relate to maybe some of the reasons why you left and, you know, I've developed this strong foundation Consulting is an option. They, the question I would have would just be like, what kind of work are you doing? What is it actually like on the other side? I want to know everything. I want to know the positives. I want to know what you've been exposed to. And then I also want to hear like, you know, what, what are some of the new things that I'll be experiencing that will be a new challenge for me? That's like 10 questions in one, but you know, Matt, get us started somewhere. What did you do? You know, what have you been able to do since you became a consultant? Yeah, for sure. So I'm just going to start with one thing that I've learned as a consultant. Um, just being at Embark. Uh, so the biggest thing to me is, first of all, you have to accept that you don't know every single answer right off the bat. Um, yeah. You may come in here thinking like, oh, I'm a hot, hot shot. Like, <laughs> I was I was a stud in the big four. Like I know what I'm doing. You're not going to know the answer to every single question. Right. It's accepting that and then realizing the way to be very a very good consultant is to be able to find the right answer and communi- com- communicate that to your client and put that into action. I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned since I've been here that that will make you a very successful consultant. How about you? Yeah, I agree with what Mac was saying is, um, I keep talking about this confidence piece, but that kind of what Mac was saying provides that and also the resources and support and like admitting that you don't know the answer and going to people who may do or that can support you. And um you know, I'd hope with this isn't the case for all consulting firms, but Embark does a really good job of that support aspect where um, a lot of times I don't know the answer for what a client asks me, um, but I know I have the support and I'm not alone. And, you know, I'm not going to, if I'm going to fail, like I will have that support and I will learn from that. And something that I find here, um, I've done, you know, continuity roles as well as technical accounting roles. And like I said, every project is very different from what the client needs to what your internal team looks like. But I think in consulting, it's very similar to the big four where you see the person above you, you see what they're doing and you can learn from them and eventually take it off their plate and do it yourself. And there's not, you're not confined to your 
responsibilities at your level. You can exceed that. You can go diagonal. You can talk to the MD if you need, if you want to. It's not, um, it's kind of like a one team, one dream type thing. I know audit says that and everyone says that probably the whole accounting industry says that (laughs) I am in the dream team, but you know, I think it allows you like doing really well for yourself and wanting to learn and grow is really important. But I think the most important is also wanting that for others around you. And I think that's embodied here. And I think that's embodied within consulting because it's also bleeds into wanting that for your client too. If they ask a question and you don't just give an answer, you explain why that's the answer. It sets them up for success. I've, I feel like I've asked you this at some point. I'm going to remember the number and I, I should just, that should be part of my prep process. Uh, um, <laughs> 1% better after this. Um, <laughs> How many consulting engagements roughly have you been on over your career? Probably worked on 75 to 100 different companies over the course of my career. And how many consultants would you say you've had an opportunity to to (laughs) make? This is a new iteration of the question, Kyle. I wasn't prepared for this one. Um, Man, uh, probably, I don't know, 100, 150. Like a lot of those were the same team across multiple clients. you know, throughout my career have been really fortunate to have teams that um, I kind of migrated from project to project with. Um, Mac being one of those lucky or unlucky people that <laughs> continues to, I continue to drag into other clients, but yeah, I've had. He does the same a, to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing to Melissa. It's a, it's a compliment. Um, but I've had a variety, yeah, just a, a huge variety and that's across all industries. Um, you know, different sizes, different stages of, of where companies are at in their career. So yeah, I've uh, been fortunate to see a lot of different things. What, um, I know we've, we've, we have created some content on this, but what are, what are some of the core skills yeah. that are required that maybe, I know we've mentioned a couple already, but what are, what are just some of the, like the longer you're in consulting, the more you're going to need slash the better you will be able to execute relative to these skills. Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, as you said, we've had the webinar on the the five, you know, just like the analytical, critical thinking, attention to detail, communication. Um, those are all important and I think absolutely critical to success. But I, you know, if I had to distill it down to one thing, it's a client focused mindset from a from a consulting perspective. Right. Like, how do I make my clients lives easier? Because ultimately everything in and around consulting can get rooted back to that, right? Like you think about, you go out to a client, you're trying to understand the problem. Like, okay, what are you dealing with? How is the data flowing? How is clothes going? Whatever it is, right? If I'm framed in the context of how do I make my client's life easier, that is consulting, right? And that can be done both internally and externally, right? Like when I'm working with, um, individuals on projects, right? When I was in the big four and working with partners in consulting, um, being on calls and hearing like, Hey, we need to go do this. Okay, perfect. I will take that off your plate. I will make your life easier, right? Like Mm -hmm. this mindset and this notion about how do we be consultative in our nature about how we engage with people? Because ultimately if we make their life easier, if we solve their problems or help assist them in solving their problems and achieving their success, we will have success as consultants. Right. And it starts with that mindset. There are tools, there are tricks, there are, you know, a number of things that Mac and Melinda could go through from a tactical perspective on how to do that. But it all starts with you have to show up with this mindset of how am I going to make your life easier? And that's consulting. I think I think that's a great compass. Um and I've you know, being around people who think that way yeah. is a very different experience, even from like an employment standpoint. Yeah. Um I think what's intriguing that each of you have said is that, you know, there's, in addition to that, there's also this diversity of challenge. And I'm, I'm curious, and I know the answer is it depends or it's different for every client, but can you give me some examples of like, what are some shorter engagements? What are like some shorter engagements that maybe, you know, and what is a kind of time period for that? And then what are some longer types of engagements and what's a typical time period for that? Sure. So I'll start. Uh, I've been on some both, you know, very short engagements and I've also been on some, I've been on an engagement that was two and a half years long. Um, it just depends. So, you know, if a, if a client maybe has a very specific transaction 
or a technical accounting problem or something like that. Maybe they just need a memo written for for a technical accounting uh, transaction that that they have to they have to account for correctly, and they just need some documentation for their audit. Right? That may be an example of a very short lived project. You know, I don't know, a week, a few days. It just depends, right? Uh, I've had another client who you know, we basically were their go to special projects in the accounting space team for over two years. You know, they they had a large transaction where they made a couple really large acquisitions um, and they just didn't have the staff or the expertise to kind of keep up with everything that came along with that. Whether that be helping them prepare their financial statements, monthly close, uh, process improvement, right? Like helping mm-hmm. integrate that acquisition to their um, into their company from from an accounting perspective to, you know, helping them with a new ERP implementation to sitting in an accounting manager role when somebody left, you know, it just, the list goes on and on. Um, but that, you know, those longer engagements, I feel like are where you really kind of get to, to learn a ton. Yeah. You kind of see the entire business, right? Um, and you kind of hop from thing to thing uh, and really get to get a really good breadth of knowledge and help the client in a lot of different ways. Is is that pretty common on a longer engagement? That is, there's still going to be a multitude of different projects? Or are there... I, from my experience, I would say we definitely have some longer term engagements mm-hmm. where clients just love what we're doing for them. And so you may just sit in a role with them for a long time. Yeah. But I would say typically, at least from what I've seen, if if an engagement really is, is very long term, it's typically because they have a multiple, multitude of different issues or things that they're working through. And uh, we're able to come in and kind of move from thing to thing and work through work through that with the client. Melinda, if, if, if I'm in consulting, I guess everybody could chime in on this one, but Let's say I, I have been doing something. I want a new challenge. Like, has it been, um, a, 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 what's the degree of difficulty to say, I want to go learn this and then be able to make that happen? So like sought it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I guess just even as a firm, like you're yeah. going to have new clients coming in, yeah. you're going to have different opportunities that present themselves. But, um, is it, is it challenging at all? If you're the kind of person that seeks variety to be able to find that? No, no, not at all. I think that's a huge parallel between consulting and big four is uh, you're constantly learning. I mean, there's probably every single day there's something that I'm learning, you know, Mac knows for sure. And um, I think that really helps like with your growth. Like I'm a very different consultant I am today than I was six months ago. And I will be in six months time from now too. And I think that's forever continuous with everyone here. Um, And when it comes to clients work, it's I love the the saying that the accounting and finance world is small because it really is. And it seems large, but everyone kind of knows each other in a way. And my favorite story was I was on a process improvement client and I was out there for maybe four months. I found out that my client knew my previous client as friends, their buddies. They had a happy hour and Bart came up. They said, oh, Melinda did that type of project for me. Next day he calls me, he says, I didn't know you could do that. How about you start doing that here? And I was like, okay. So, you know, I, it was something out of my comfort zone. It was something I've previously done before, but not with the help of a large team. And this was kind of a more individual basis. And I think that those turning points kind of like in a project or a career where you like are really scared, honestly, is I look back on that time and that was like the biggest moment for me as a consultant and as a professional of like where I'm at today. And I think those stories or those scenarios happen a lot within consulting and is just can come to you. And kind of what Jason was talking about earlier, it's like seize seize the opportunity. It's presenting yourself. I could have said no, but I knew I had the support at Embark and within teams that I could be successful in that. Just to tag onto that, consulting is hard. Like <laughs> yeah. you get put in difficult situations. You talked about it, you know, Mac, the being comfortable not knowing the answer, right? Like oftentimes there are unique challenges we're trying to solve with our clients. And we have to leverage previous experiences and transfer, like, okay, I had this experience or you know, a team member had this experience at this other client in this other industry or whatever, right? How does that transfer to this specific problem? But that is hard and that is challenging. And I've been, you know, in and around consulting for 
11 years now. And some of the most challenging projects have allowed me to grow at such an accelerated rate because I've been put in situations, right? I, I can remember one where we were dealing with, um, we were trying to do lease accounting <laughs> for 700 properties. And so we had literally people working around the clock. So we'd have, okay, you do these 40, then you do these next 40. And we had individuals, offshore resources. We were literally going around the clock for two weeks to get all this done. It's one of the most stressful two weeks I've ever been a part of. But guess what? I learned how to support and manage and, you know, communicate, right? And keep 20 people doing 20 different things aligned to achieve an objective. Like, I didn't know how I was going to do that when I first started, right? And I had, to your point, the support to ensure that it was successful, but I was also challenged to learn and grow and get better. And that experience has made me a better person. And so I think that's the the thing I've loved the most about consulting and why I continue to be in this space is we get to help clients, but we also grow and we are challenged and we are put in very, very difficult spots. Um, and I think it's important to call that out for people. Like this is not easy to do every single day, mm -hmm. but the value you get to yourself and your career is so significant. And for me at least has been so worth it as I continue to progress in my career. I'm almost getting goosebumps because I, I I've got this inner entrepreneur like streak yeah. inside me. Um, and I've definitely failed a lot pursuing some of those interests. Yeah. In part, though, because I didn't have a lot of support. Yeah. Also, in part, because I didn't have some of those, some of that perspective that you could take from one project or one situation that you can, maybe it doesn't directly apply, but yeah. there's something that you gain from it as a leader or as a problem solver that you can take it in the next one. What sounds really cool, though, from a consulting lens that I, that appeals to me as that entrepreneurial streak is, is that you also have the ability, you talked about the difference between a consultant who can get the job done and like a great consultant is somebody who's thinking about serving the client. So I'm thinking somebody coming to me and saying, this is our problem, this is the solution sure. we're looking for. But then a really good consultant being able to think, well, what, what would actually create the most value for this person? And maybe even through that process coming yeah. back and saying, well, here's an altogether different solution and here's why it's best for your business mm -hmm. and here's how we would execute it. And essentially creating projects. Yeah, you can actually be creative. And that's mm -hmm. not common. And then all that, as you mentioned, if you know, opening doors later in your yeah. career, both as a leader, but also just different industries. Um, I real quick want to touch on this, and so maybe one of you can provide some commentary on it. Uh lifestyle changes from audit to a consulting life, and then maybe even just like earning potential changes. And I know that might vary by firm. I feel like there's a certain level of flexibility you get in client client service work, regardless of where you work. Obviously mm -hmm. during busy season, during audit, you may not be nearly as flexible. In fact, it's probably not flexible at all. But um, I feel like, uh, you know, here we have busy times. Like it's just, yeah. it's the nature of the work, right? We're client facing. If there's a deadline that we have to meet, you know, sometimes there's gonna be times where maybe your, your work and your life aren't as flexible as others. Um, but definitely not on like the same schedule as like an audit, uh, would be, it's not like, Hey, like from January 1st until April 30th, we're working, you know, 11 hours a day plus Saturdays and Sundays if we need to, right? Like we're never in a situation like that. Um, there may be times, like I said, where we're busier and you may have to put in for a little extra work and it's going to be a grind to hit the deadline. Uh, but there's definitely a lot more flexibility year round uh, in the in the role that we sit in here. Yeah, and you're not burnt out. You're not like on month three going, you know, it's like you have a week here and there where you have a push. So it's like it's not hard to do because, you know, it will be done and it's not forever and it's not even for two weeks, you know, and it's like it's a lot more attainable where you're like your mindset is just more at ease throughout the year. You could go on a spring vacation if you wanted to. It's not, you know, this, I had this feeling of in December, like kind of anxiety, like, mm -hmm. oh, I know what's, what, what's yeah. about to come and there's exactly nothing I can do <laughs> to stop it. You know, it's going to come regardless. And, you know, around the holidays, it just, I knew it was going to happen. And it almost that feeling was worse when the actual busy season was, you know, end of day, you're still have the camaraderie with your team members, things yeah. like that. Um, but just kind of like that overlooming doom I had, um, was, was tough for me. And here it's, like I said, it's, it's more constant year round. You know, you have your blips here and there when it's necessary, but honestly, it like makes you feel good to like tell the client, like we got it done, you know, and they're 
most of the time working with you late at night as well. And so I think that's, everyone talks about work-life balance, a big four, and no one has it, but like, that's kind of a given. And I think kind of what Mac and Jason said earlier, like it creates that work ethic, you know? And so whenever you do kind of have to push here or in consulting, it's, it comes natural to you now. Um, and I think the earnings is like, I think what I talked about earlier is you can do a lot with consulting. And so I think that springboards you if you want to do an industry, but also within consulting, it's, um, it's a client service, but it's not regulated like auditors are. And I think what I said earlier, you have more longevity, at least personally for me, I have more longevity here, which then in turn makes larger earnings potential. Yeah. And I think a larger variety of different options, right? Like as Mm -hmm. you're, as an auditor, eventually you're going to get siloed into a specific industry most Mm -hmm. likely. Right. And so your earning potential or even your career projections, right. Are more limited. Whereas in consulting, there's such a wide variety of different options. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that it enhances your potential earning potential, both within consulting, but also if you, if you do end up deciding to go outside of consulting, the only other thing I would just hit on from a, you know, in my experience on consulting is I think it is more, um, seasonal in nature, not, and you don't know the seasons mm-hmm. and that has been yeah. an adjustment, right? Like you go into audit and it's like, I could tell you on January 1st, the weeks that are going to be busy mm-hmm. and the weeks that are not, I can't do that in consulting. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's different. And, you know, I think it's, important for me and as I try and figure out how to, you know, integrate my work and life because, you know, my life is very important. Um, and so integrating those two, it's being open from a communication perspective. Hey, just got put on this project. This is what it looks like. It's going to be communicating that to the team, communicating that to individuals outside of the organization, right? That are important to me so that we stay aligned because it's not known at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. and so it does require more effort to communicate that but it allows you to better integrate. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go take a vacation in February. I'm going to go take a vacation in October um, or whatever time period. Right. But it is, it is harder to balance in or to integrate in some respects because it, it is more unknown and that's okay. Right. Like I like that for me that it's not like the, you know, I know exactly what I'm going to get every single year. Cause there are some times where you get on a project and it's like, all right, next six weeks, like let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that, right. And that's okay. And you, I love the way you framed it. Right. I've got that mindset and work ethic that like when it's time, it's time. And then on the back end of that, I do have a little bit more, um, flexibility to lean in on the things that are important to me outside of work so that there is that integration of those two components. You mentioned something earlier is, you know, when you're sitting on the audit side, there's kind of this like adversarial relationship, yeah. um, mm-hmm. in consulting more often than not. I mean, you're all, you're sitting on the same side of the table, but you know, there's an infinite amount of different types of people and personalities out there. What is the spectrum of, you know, client, you know, relationships. And I imagine even like the longer you work with somebody, the better you build relationships, which is something that's really important and embark likelihood that that's probably going to improve, but just to paint a complete picture, you know, what's working with lots of different types of clients, what are some of the biggest challenges? And generally speaking, how are those relationships? It just depends person to person, really. Like some people, some people, you know, we may go out to the client first day and they're just so happy for us to be there. That like mm-hmm. instantly the relationship is great, right? They're like, hey, I know this is person is coming in to help me solve an issue, solve a problem that I need help with. And so instantly, you know, that relationship is really good. And then you start doing great work and it just gets better. There, I mean, there's situations where you go out to clients and, um, you know, maybe they're a little skeptical of what you're doing there. Like you're not the auditor, but like, hey, like I'm still bringing an outside party in here to come help me do this work. I don't, I haven't seen their work before. Like, um, you have, you kind of have to build that relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it really just depends person to person, project to project. But I think the key is, uh, you know, building that, building that relationship with, you know, just a personal connection, but then also backing that up with excellent work Mm -hmm. just really helps build a really strong connection with the clients. And how do you, you know, I imagine, you know, the, the CFO, the CAO, you know, is, is maybe the, the ultimate decision maker that's choosing to move forward with a company like Embark or another consultancy, but you've also got the, the dynamics of the people that may be on that team that you're working with. Yep. Um, what's that been like in your experience, Melinda? Yeah. So I've had some clients where 
the main client point of contact maybe is like a tougher shell to break, um, per se. And as well as, especially in continuity, you're kind of like engulfed as an employee there. So you talk with a lot of the employees of your client day to day. And I think not only providing excellent work, stepping above and beyond making their lives easier, but also like having that camaraderie is so important and that relationship kind of changes the whole project changes what they can feel comfortable providing you or have confidence in you and so knowing about them as individuals i think is really important not just right when you get on a call okay so here's what we're doing x y and z all right thanks bye you know it's like having we're both like having the same goal so knowing like oh how was your son's graduation last weekend you know and talking about that and it kind of Left, like removes the anxiety or frustration that they may have, which is the reason why Embark is out there for that. They feel comfortable that we can help and we can provide that help. And I think a necessary component is to provide the excellent help that Max said, um, just to instill that confidence. Sounds like one of the big differences is that you actually will have, you don't know where it's going to go or what it might take to get there and you'll be challenged and you'll grow because of it. Yeah but you're going to have the opportunity. Yeah. And like recognizing that frustration, like, um, I think in auditing, it's like, you can't let the auditors or you can't let your client know that this is a complex area. Like you're frustrated or it's like hard for you where in consulting, it's like, I've had clients where I'm like, Oh man, like another blimp in the road, you know, like this is going to be a tough one. And you know, we laugh about it, but it's obviously going to be hard work ahead, but you have that, kind of same side of the table situation where you you see them as more as humans you know i want to um certainly i think one of the the things we try to do on this podcast is is leave our audience with some actionable tips so i think we've we've touched on just the advantages of starting an audit what you can learn how long you should you know be an audit and what you should aim to get out of that experience Mm -hmm. and how that can open doors for you later talked about the upside and just different myriad of experiences within consulting next steps, you know, so I'm in audit today. I'm, I'm super pumped up about what I'm hearing. That's the, those are the challenges. Those are the opportunities I want to be able to experience. How do I choose the right consulting firm? How do I position myself as somebody who maybe I don't have consulting experience? How do I market my audit experience? Where should we even start Jason? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, never being afraid to have discussions and evaluate what makes sense for you in your career. And I always encourage, I mean, we encourage our um, team here to do that, right? It makes you more um, excited about what you're doing when you get validation of, okay, yeah, I am headed down the right path. And so I think having conversations with different firms, and you can't do it every day, but having conversations with different firms to understand how do they approach supporting their people so they can be successful, right? Consulting is a team sport. So how do you support your team? Um, what is important to you? How do you plan to grow? What is the ways in which I can develop? Because the reality is if you have the right mindset, that will show through and you will have those opportunities presented to you. But you also need the support and the professional development and the team around you so that you have a safe space to grow. And so that's the thing that I always encourage people to um, really lean in on trying to understand is like, how am I going to be supported? Because guess what? I've been an auditor. Now I'm about to be a consultant. I know this is why I want to do it, right? I want to help clients. I want to you know, continue to be challenged, et cetera, but I don't actually know how to do this. How are you going to help me to be successful? And that's the biggest thing that I encourage people to have those discussions and understand is, you know, I'm going to do what I can. What are you going to do to ensure that I can be successful? What are some things that during an interview process that you might get asked that you can maybe be able to take what you were successful at an audit or, or does that even matter? Is it like, if I know you've been in, in big four in audit for a few years, I probably know you can handle this. So then what other types of interview questions should I be prepared for? Yeah. I'm going to switch that up on you on what questions you should ask them, Perfect. you know, because I think people forget in an interview and it's a very nerve wracking experience. Um, just going through an interview and finding a new job, but you also are interviewing them. I don't think that should be taken lightly. You know, you are obviously need to do well and perform well that they want you, but you also have to want them. And so asking harder questions is necessary because for me, I would rather have no 
surprises. I would like my expectations set. I would like to know what it's like, that support aspect. And to ask, um, I remember during my interviews, I asked, what support do you provide your employees that doesn't include the client? And at this one consulting firm could not answer. They're like, well, we provide great work. So our clients are happy. Well, no, you said client, try again, you know? And I think also kind of, I was big pro con list girl when I was going through. And so making that or finding your why prior to going into these interviews and finding a firm that fits what you want versus finding, you know, making the firm fit into what you think you should have is important to do. Um, I say take the process, take your time. I wouldn't jump to the first one, interview multiple places, you know, allow your first interview. A lot of people haven't interviewed in years at that time. You know, I I don't think I did well in my first interview out of big four, to be honest. You know, I think practice is important and also having interviews makes you realize what you want. Um, And I think as long as you stay true to yourself of why you're wanting consulting, what is like the most important thing to you personally and professionally, and then go from there. Retweet all that. That was amazing. That was good. Yeah. For me, I think a big thing is like, I mean, Melinda uh, touched on like uh, pros cons list, but like really (laughs) self-reflect and like, think about Mm -hmm. like, okay, in the role that I'm in right now, what do I really like about this? What do I don't like about this? Figure out those things that like, hey, these are things that I want to continue to have present in my career. Here are the things that I'm good at and I enjoy doing. Here are the things that I don't enjoy about where I'm at. Here's mm-hmm. the things I don't enjoy doing. And use that to kind of as like a roadmap for your next step, right? Um, don't rush into it. You know, if it's not the right fit, don't, don't jump into the first thing. Um, you know, I, I just think really taking your time, self-reflecting, mm-hmm. figuring out what you really, really do, uh, really really like about where you're at right now and what you maybe don't like. And then kind of using that as a springboard is, is really, really I helpful. Think, that think, helped me a lot whenever I was, totally. whenever, you know, cause I, I don't, nec- I don't necessarily know that I did that in my first career change, but after, after, uh, after I did my <laughs> industry stint, yeah. like it really was like, Hey, I sat down and thought really long and hard about like what I liked about my time in big four, what I liked about my time in industry yeah. and then what I didn't like about either one of them and kind of uh, just really helped me figure out what, what I needed to do next. That's some good stuff. Um, <laughs> even just, I mean, knowing yourself, but I mean, there's so many, whether you even be sharing, here's what I don't want to do. Here's right. what I don't like, or turning that into questions. I think that's, and I, I love that you mentioned talk to multiple people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some, a lot of times it's, well, maybe I'm I'm not happy in the role that I'm in and this sounds a lot better. Let me go take that because it's right here waiting for me, right? Yeah. But talking to multiple people as you be able to kind of really benchmark it more accurately. And this may not be a popular view, but for me, I always encourage people to talk to your current employer and your current team. They know totally. you well, right? Have those honest conversations. If those individuals are going to treat you differently as a result of that conversation, mm-hmm. that probably tells you what you need to know about your ability to succeed in that current employer. If, you know, for our team, when individuals come and talk to me about considerations outside of this firm, like I love that. So I can share and answer questions about here's where we're headed as an organization. How does that align with what you're trying to do? Like the way you framed it about like, what is it that you want to do? Here's where we're at. Here's what we're trying to do. If there's another opportunity outside of this place that's better for you. I love that. And we're, and like, I'm going to be the first person to support you in that. Right. And Mm -hmm. having those conversations. And I think there's a lot of individuals that are afraid in that, but like for me, um, you know, especially when I left big four to come to embark, I talked to 12 different partners and every single time through every one of those conversations, it was more apparent to me what I needed to do. Right. And I am so appreciative of those individuals and the time they spent because it allowed me to inform, yes, this is really what I want to do next in my career, right? Because you think you know one thing and you start to have conversations and you start to go through it. And by the end of it, it's like, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. And encourage you to do that, not just with people outside of your organization, but with people within your organization. It feels like if you do that, if you have the discipline to do that, if you're maybe exercise a little bit of patience. Mm -hmm that's got to be a pretty good feeling because it's not so much I'm leaving and I'm not sure what's going to happen. It's more like this feels like the right fit. I can tell the people. Um, You mentioned something earlier, Melinda, that it's, you know, it's a small world or something Mm -hmm. to that effect. 
how you leave your firm too, I would, you know, is you, you never know who's a potential client in the yeah. future, where they may be a CFO in three years and, right. you know, what's going to happen. Yep. What are some best practices in terms of how you leave? I think also just to remember, it's not personal, you know, it's a career change for yourself. It's not personal that against your team that you no longer want to work for that partner or that manager, whatever it may be. And to also have that level of respect that they have taught you from, if it's your first career big four, they've taught you from the ground up and they put long hours into you and you've been able to learn from them. And, um, I think even if you had a mentor within there to maintain that, I think leaving on a good note, kind of what Jason was saying is I had a manager that knew months before I left and I talked to him about it. And, um, I felt like, you know, he wanted my best interest at heart. And I think that's kind of, it shows that when you, when people leave, you know, it's again, me not liking audit has nothing to do with my team members. I just don't like audit. And I think a lot of them saw that, you know, they obviously want you to stay. They like you as an employer and things like that. But I think also maintaining that relationship when you leave is important too. Cause, um, if you really like your team members, like stay friends with them, you know, be able to talk to them. Like, you never know where that can take you. And I think it should be the intent of maintaining a relationship, not the intent of maybe one day they can do something for me. And I think that's important to recognize. Well said. Anything else, Dan? Just be intentional about uh, when, you, when you're, you know, choosing to choosing to leave. You don't want to burn any bridges. You don't mm -hmm. want to, uh, you know, leave in the middle of busy season and leave the team high and dry. Don't do that. That's the only thing. I think Melinda <laughs> said it really well. Um, that's just the only thing I would add is just, you know, be intentional about when, when you decide to make a change um, and just consider others around you as well. Bring us home. Yeah. I mean, I think that is your last impression you're going to leave with those individuals. Um, yeah. And I, for me, um, in both transitions that I've made in my career, I made a decision to have a very long transition time. You know, it was very integrated into projects that were going on. And I approached it from the standpoint of, hey, I want to ensure that you all are set up for success moving forward. And I had, in both cases, multiple months, multiple uh, of transition time. And yeah, it was hard to still show up every work, you know, every day to work, knowing that like I'm leaving this place. But they had invested so much in me and I am where I'm at in my career in part because of them, in part because of the work I put in, but in part because of them. And I owe it to them, right? To honor that relationship and their time in a way where, where I'm going to leave it better than I found it. I'm going to ensure that they're set up for success as they move forward. I can tell you that in both of those situations, not just from a business standpoint, but from a personal standpoint, those relationships are still very strong. I still um, interact with multiple individuals across multiple firms. And I do think it had to do with the way in which I left the firm and the transparency and the honesty and the commitment to the very end. Um, and it was hard, like there's no doubt about it. Um, but I think it's very important to leave the right way because you don't know what's going to happen um, as you progress in your career. Well, um, Melinda Pitcher, Mike Martinez, Jason Larkin, it's been a pleasure. I think this has been a rich conversation. I hope our listeners just a lot of, a lot of really valuable things to consider in their transition. So I just want to thank you for your time and for your insights and um, let's do it again soon. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having us. It was yeah, great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. I hope you got a ton of value from our panel and choose to transform their insights into action and unstoppable momentum. If you have a follow-up question or a future topic request, please email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com. That's podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll get you wherever you want to grow. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom to help you work smarter and level up faster. And lastly, if you're a repeat listener, consider supporting the show with a five-star rating so those algorithms can expand our reach and impact. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being here. Cheers.